Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to even speak and communicate what you got, that you hear us, Lord. God, we want to just intercede just for all the churches, Lord, that are standing open in your name and preaching truth, Lord. All the, the leaders, God, the elders and pastors, God, who are preparing to speak your truth, God. We know the enemy wants to attack, God. I pray that you just build their spirit, God, as they open your word to proclaim your truth, Lord. All the churches, God, that are and parishioners that are there hearing your truth, God, I pray that you open your word, God. Let them feast on your word. Let it be a delight, Lord. God, all the missionaries, Lord urban missionaries and international missionaries, God, people, the just custodians of the churches, God, we just thank you for all, Lord. Will you just continue to walk with us, Lord, as we know you will, God, work in however way you need to in people's lives, God, that they may see you more, that they may glorify you more, that they may live for you more. Father, and that's my sister said, uh, we just want to pray for just uh, the, the cops, Lord God, the police officers, Lord, who are taking up this brave job to serve and protect communities, Lord God. We see, I don't know, Lord, if this is some type of spiritual attack, or I don't know what's going, what it is, God, but we are just asking for your mercy upon the the cops, Lord God, uh, that they may go forward and uphold justice, Lord God, and care for communities, Lord God, and. Continue to be brave and courageous, God, in what they're doing, Lord. So we just ask for your grace and favor there, Lord. I also want to pray for my brother Fernando, God, and as he had requested to see all of his children, God, in your house, knowing you, walking with you, God. Lord God, will you hear our prayer, Lord? Hear our prayer, Father. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters, I'm going to give you a warning. (laughs) A serious warning. Serious, serious warning. I've said this before when I went over certain topics that teaching style is going to be extremely, extremely different from how I would normally preach or teach a subject. This is going to be purely like Bible study. I'm just, I'm warned it's going to be, it's going to require you to really focus and think and to really examine. Um, really, we're, we're, we're just going to be surveying the scriptures. It's going to be really, I might as well say, welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. And, and some of you went to a traditional church, you know, you know, Wednesday night is Bible study night. And so it's going to be very different. It's going to be just much more teaching. And if me and Pastor Brian had went to uh, a te- uh, expository teaching conference like a few years ago, and Steve Lawson with you know like Ligonier, he was leading it. And one of the things that always stood out to me, he said that preaching is kind of superior, if you will, than teaching, because teaching is largely just a transfer of information, which is transferring information. But preaching involve involves teaching. It also involves passion. It involves questions. It involves challenging the hearer. So teach, so preaching has all of the components. 
But today it's going to be more teaching. It's just looking at the scriptures. Um, Because we're going to hit a a really, it shouldn't be controversial, but it is a controversial topic. Um, I'm starting today a new series because, you know, we finished the Sermon on the Mount. But I'm starting a new series called Hijacks. And if you remember, like a couple of months ago, I was always talking about how different things, how different tenets or elements of our faith have been hijacked by other uh, far out there Christian denominations. And so one of the, the topics that we will discuss in this series is love. So we're going to have a, a discussion or a talk on love because that's been hijacked from us to where we don't want to even speak about it so much because we have many denominations and groups preaching, you know, easy believism. God just loves you. And because of that, we kind of overreact and don't even want to speak to God's love. And so that's been hijacked from us in a sense. And so we'll have a a talk on that. Um, We'll also have in this series a discussion on praise and worship, right? We're going to look at music. We're going to look at what the scripture says about it, about worship, because in many ways we've allowed other groups to hijack praise and worship and when we come together and sing praise to God. Because oftentimes we are afraid to be called the C word. What's the C word? Charismatic. That's like the Christian curse word. You call somebody a charismatic, you're like, what? Charisma, the term is not a bad negative term. So we'll look at that when we get to the praise and worship session. And today... We're going to hit another topic, and this is the topic of justice. Some of you are like, ooh, right? If you know what's happening in our society, this is a topic that's also been hijacked from the church, and I'll share that more towards the end. But today we will talk about justice, because justice it's an issue that I'm happy that society is now talking about. I'm happy that society, that it's been a thing in society for the past two to three years. If you are aware, which you should be aware. I like, I think it's, is it Carl Bart? I think it's Carl Bart. He says that he always has a Bible in his hand and a newspaper in his hand. And he's, and he's using, the, uh, He's looking at the world from the perspectives of the Bible. And he's also, when he's preaching, he's bringing in world issues and orders and showing how the Bible relates to it. And so as believers, we don't want to be totally ignorant of what's going on in society. You want to be able to sow the right seed, not just making assumptions. So I'm not trying to just encourage you to go and watch TV, but read a newspaper every now and then. Know what's happening in society. Know what people are dealing with. So you don't totally just be off. So... And justice is one of those issues that's re- that's been pretty big in America for the past two to three years. And again, as, as I said, I'm I'm happy that the church is addressing this topic, or society's addressing this topic. But I hate what triggered it. What triggered our justice talks, and as of late, most people would agree. If you are aware of what's happening in, in in popular culture and society, it was the death and the shooting of Trayvon Martin a few years ago. If you're aware of that. That started this whole like justice thing, this criminal justice reform. And, and after Trayvon Martin was shot, there was many other civilians that were shot by cops. And um, 
many of those civilians being uh, African-American. And so from those situations, social justice talks started amongst groups. Uh, you had criminal justice talks begin. And we are here where we are today, where there's this major divide in society and even in the church on what justice is, if justice is even applicable. And as you would guess, because of our fallen nature, that division over justice is divided largely on racial lines, which is sad. You have on one side many people who would be considered white evangelical on one side, and you have others who may be people of color on another side, and they're kind of going back and forth. And so there's this divide on if we should even address this issue or talk about this issue. And the issue is that many of the churches uh, have this divide over is people are afraid that if you begin to talk about justice issues, you're going to lose the gospel. And so some in some camps say, oh, no, we don't have to worry about justice issues and social justice issues. We just preach the gospel, just focus on preach the gospel. And, and others say, no. Or then you have some in the church that pit Paul against Jesus. They'll, they'll say, no, Paul was all about the Great Commission. And then others will say, no, Jesus was about the Great Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount. And that is something that's occurred historically in the church for years. And as a result of that, you had churches that were called Great Commandment churches, which focus on social justice and caring for the poor and the needy. And then you had other churches, which were called Great Commission churches, that focuses focus more on just sharing the gospel and evangelism. And those two always divided. And because of this topic of justice being so divisive, many pastors and teachers really rarely speak on it because they know it's a polarizing issue. They don't want to polarize their congregation. So many Elders and pastors really don't speak on it. But the problem of not speaking on it is that the church, the believers, get their understanding of justice then from political parties, from political pundits, from uh, uh, the Fox Newses, the CNNs, the MSNBCs. We then get our trigger or our cue on what justice looks like from celebrities. We get it from rappers, from athletes. Why? Because many times the church doesn't want to address it because it's too divisive. And so we stay divided. But the question we got to ask ourselves is not what does Fox News say? Not that what does MSNBC say or CNN or podcast hosts or political pundits and radio talk show hosts. It's not what they say. Our question should be, what does the Bible have to say about all of this? Is the Bible silent on justice issues? Is justice something separate from the gospel? Should we jettison talks and just about uh, justice and just preach the gospel? These are some of the questions that I hope during this series we will be able to address and get answers to. And so today we'll look at, today will be more of just an introductory of looking at justice in the Bible, largely in the Old Testament. It'll be a three-part series, by the way, on justice. Um, so it'll be today again, the introductory, looking at it from the, largely from the Old Testament, 
then we'll do a section on justice and Jesus. And then we'll do a final section on justice in life. And um, I may combine those two or I may just do them separately. Still kind of work working through that. But we're going to address these issues so we can get a better understanding on how we ought to live. And the heart behind this is Paul, he told the Colossians, he wants to pr- present every person complete in Christ. And I want to make sure that every believer, because I remember I have to stand before God on what I teach and my leadership and what I'm telling you. So I want to make sure that you are complete, that you are walking in the ways of the Lord so that you don't hear depart from me. I never knew you, but that you are actually practicing his ways. So today we're going to really dig into this, this topic of justice. It's going to be more of teaching just looking at scriptures, it's going to be heady in some of the stuff because we're going to look at some Hebrew. Um, so I'm just kind of throwing it out there. So if you need to get coffee, I understand. Um, if you see your neighbor nodding off, kind of nod them or hit them so we can uh, go forward. So when it comes to this issue of justice, all right, matter of fact, I'll start this way. One of my biggest misconceptions that I had about the children of Israel, one of my biggest misconceptions that I had was that God, and I've said this before, I've shared this before, that God was rejecting them due to their idolatry. That was just my general senses when I read through the scriptures, reading through the Old Testament. My general assessment is that, okay, God had rejected Israel largely because they were Idolatry. They were worshiping, you know, idols. We, we see it right when God frees them from Pharaoh. Moses goes away for a little bit. They start making golden calves, right? They start worshiping that. And so you look at that. And then as you, we've been going through the Old Testament in our yearly Bible study. You're looking in Chronicles and you look at the second Kings and you're seeing how the nation and the king and his household were constantly falling every time from the same sin. Idol worship. Worshipping statues, worshipping the gods of the nation surrounding them, uh, worshipping stony issues. They would go under giant trees and they would worship. They would go to high places thinking that they're going to get closer to these false gods and they, they would worship. And so idolatry, idolatry, idolatry was everywhere in the children of Israel. Idolatry was a major sin in Israel. But Israel's other major issue Guess what it was? It was injustice. Idolatry and it was injustice. Israel had a ma- had major justice issues. And, and, and you see that early on just in the, the first chapter of Isaiah. Oleg's going to put up some of these verses for us. In the first chapter of Isaiah, you're going to see justice keep coming up just in that first chapter a number of times. So we see here, this is the first chapter of Isaiah. And look what he says. The prophet is saying to the people, through God, wash yourselves. He's telling them, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Look what he says in 17. Learn to do good. What does he say? Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for what? The widow. Now go back. Oh, look, we're not there yet. <laughs> Plead for the widow. So just right here, we're seeing that justice 
has something to do with reproving the ruthless who were just being ruthless leaders and, and, and elders. We see that justice has something to do of defending the orphan. We see that justice has something to do with pleading for the widow, for different vulnerable groups. He's showing us this is what justice has to do. And they were not doing this. Go ahead. I'll look to the next one. He says this. How the faithful city has become a harlot. Look what he says about it before. She was full of what? Justice. Righteous once lodged in her. But now murderers, he says, your silver has become dross, your drink diluted with water, your rulers are rebels, companion of thieves. Here we go. Look, everyone loves a bribe and chases after rewards. What he's showing us again now, they do not defend who? The orphan, nor does the widow plea come before them. So you're seeing again, another hint of justice. You see in here, you see in what group keeps coming up just in the two verses also do you see? The widow and the orphan, vulnerable communities, malign communities, groups of people who are not well treated in society and they were not treating them right. When it came to the court system, they weren't getting their rights defended. People were taking bribes as opposed to giving justice or doing justice. One more. I'll let and so you skip down in the same chapter. This is all in the first chapter of Isaiah. God, now you're seeing a hint of the gospel. Now you're beginning to see gospel snowflakes, I like to call them. Because while there's rampant injustice happening in Israel, God is promising this, that Zion will be redeemed with what? <laughs> Justice. And he says her repentant ones with righteousness. And if you know anything about redemption or being redeemed from Leviticus 25, redemption means being restored. It means something that was lost being brought back. So if you had land and maybe you had to sell your land, there was these redemption laws that would allow you to buy your land back so that it could be restored to its faithful owner. Or if you were a servant, you sold yourself into slavery because you didn't have money. There's, there were redemption laws that would allow your relative to come and buy you back. So he said that Zion, which is representative of the people, the holy people of God, they will be redeemed. They will be bought back by and through justice. And it says, her, your repentant ones will be with righteousness. So God is saying, you will be restored. There will be re uh, restoration. So that's the hints of the gospel. He's saying it's not always going to be like this. There will be redemption to justice. So those are our, our gospel hints already in the first chapter of Isaiah. Another verse. Oh, look. Zechariah. Seven through nine. Look what Zechariah says. Thus has the Lord of hosts said, dispense true justice, practice kindness and compassion each to his brother and do not oppress. Who are we saying again? The widow, the orphan, the stranger. You know what the stranger is equivalent to? The immigrant. We got an immigration issue right now. Let's go to the scripts and see what it says about this stuff. So he said, okay. Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and who else? The poor. And do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. But they refuse to pay attention and turn a stubborn shoulder and stop their ears from hearing. 
So again, you're seeing what who God is pointing out here. He's pointing at these vulnerable, misrepresented communities, these people, these people groups who are being oppressed, who are not receiving justice. It's the widow, the orphan, the stranger, the poor. They were the lowest in society. And so they were getting taken advantage of. They weren't being treated right. God calls that sin, that injustice was sin. So he's saying you are doing wrong. You should be practicing justice. You should be practicing kindness and compassion, but you weren't doing that. So we see that justice in the first couple of verses that we looked at, justice has something to do with practicing kindness and compassion, looking at different groups and seeing is somebody being in, uh, experiencing injustice and how we can go and help. And we're seeing that uh, group, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, and the poor, the constant group that is being mentioned. And later, matter of fact, in probably uh, the third part, which we'll do in a few weeks, Pastor Brian will preach next week for the next two weeks, and then I'll come back. And so probably about a month, I would say, or three weeks, we'll really dig into the orphan, the stranger, the widow, the poor. We'll really dig into this particular group. But that's what's being shown there. Ola, give us another verse. Micah. It says, what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? He says, shall I come to him with burnt offerings and with yearling calves? So is this what I'm going to come with to the Lord with, with my sacrifices? He says, does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and in thousands of rivers of oil, the anointing oil? Shall I even present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, dedicating my child unto the Lord? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul is like, God, what shall I do to be right with you? What can I do that you're pleased? He says in eight, he has told you you're wondering what you need to do. Eight, the prophet says he has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, love kindness and walk humbly before or with your God. So that's what I want you to do. Do justice, love kindness. And see, at this time, there was no justice at the time the prophet Micah's writing. There was no justice in, in Judah. Um, matter of fact, I, I didn't give you this verse, Oleg. I'm going to just show it then, never mind. In the, in the first part of Micah, in chapter 2, because we're in chapter 6 here, he kind of describes what that justice, that injustice looked like. And, and this is what Micah says here in Micah 2, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. He says, woe to those who scheme iniquity, who work out evil in their beds. Thinking about evil in their beds. It says, when morning comes, they do it, for it is in the power of their hands. They covet fields and they seize them and houses and they take them away. They rob a man of his house and a man of his inheritance. So we see there in Micah 2 that you had people with power. It says the power is in their hands. And so they're using their power, their authority to actually take from those who were not in this greater position. And so God is calling that an injustice that they were doing, that they were robbing and taking from others because they were not in this position of authority or power. And so he calls that an injustice. And then when you go to Micah 3, 
I'm going to read you what he says here in Micah chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. He says this, Hear now, heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, it is not, is it not for you to know justice? You who hate good and love evil, who tear off their skin from them and their flesh from their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and stripe off the skin from them and break their bones. What he's saying is that you guys are just destroying my people with your indent, with your injustice. You're, you're just destroying them. You're just taking advantage of them. You're, you're hating good and you're loving evil. You're just eating up and destroying my people with your injustice. And so that is how we get to chapter six here, where he tells him to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. It's justice. And not to belabor the point, but in the same chapter of Micah three, he later goes on and he talks about how, um, what does he say? He, he talks about how the, the rich were basically overtaking the, uh, the great or the small. But I want to give you another verse, but I'm going to do it in the form of a question here. We're chucking along. Why did Sodom get destroyed? Pride. Right. Gluttony. Gluttony. Um, laziness. Laziness. And difference of the point of view. There you go. I shouldn't have called on you all. <laughs> you gave the answer away, man. <laughs> this man knows the scripture. Most people outside of Eduardo, <laughs> we we would think of the sodomy, right? That's where we get sodomy from, the sodomites. We think of homosexuality, that they were... Because remember, when uh, the angels were going down there, they wanted to sleep with the men. Remember that? And so so most people, or many people, when it comes to Sodom, um, um, Sodom, they believe that it was all because of this homosexuality, which homosexuality is wrong and is sinful, and that was part of the judgment. But it wasn't just that. It was what our brother Eduardo said, and let me show you that in Scripture. Oh, look, you have that? This is Ezekiel, and he's talking to... Israel, the two kingdoms of Israel, and he's calling Sodom their sister because of their sinful ways. And so this is what he says here. He says, as I live, declares the Lord God, Sodom, your sister and her daughter have not done as you and your daughters have done. So he's saying that you guys are even worse than Sodom. Talking about an insult, right? Like you're worse than Sodom. And he says this in 49, behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance. That's Brother Eduardo said. She had an abundance of food and careless ease. But guess what? But she did not help the poor and the needy, which is the justice issues that we're seeing here. So it wasn't just homosexuality that Sodom was judged for, but they were indifferent to the plights of those who in Certain situations who were in bad situations, they were indifferent, even though they had an abundance, even though they could actually help and do good, they didn't. They were indifferent to it. And so God calls that an injustice. So that's what they were doing that was wrong. And uh, I'm trying to think of a verse, matter of fact, that, um, hold on, let me, let me go somewhere real quick. 
verse is that? That's the verse I'm thinking about. I can't think of any other words. I didn't write it down in my notes. It's okay. But back to Sodom. So we have to understand that justice, when it comes to the Lord, is not something that um we can just be like, oh, it's not gospel. It's something we can be indifferent to. But it's something that the Lord really desires. As you'll see in later sessions, it's something that pleases God. And if we love God and he is in us, then it should be something that pleases us to be about justice, to care about justice. Now, the word justice that you're seeing here in the Hebrew, matter of fact, there's two words for justice. There's two words for justice. One of the words is mispa, which is our mispa, which is spelled M-I-S-H-P-A-T. And the other one is tzedakah, which is T-Z-A-D-E-Q-A-H. Both of these words in the Hebrew, they mean justice. But Tadaka is often translated as righteousness. But they mean justice. But the translator is translated as righteousness. And Tadaka and Misva throughout the Old Testament scripture, they're kind of used interchangeably. Sometimes you'll see Tadaka in there, and sometimes you'll see Mispa when it comes to uh, justice. Now, Mishpah, to give you a general idea of what, what Mishpah means, Mishpah deals with like the rule of law type justice. Um, it's, it's not showing partiality, but treating everyone fairly. So you're, you're not treating different offenders different based on ethnicity or, or race or class. You're, you're not treating them wrongly, but you're treating them right. You're treating everybody fair, and when you don't treat them fair, there's a violation of mispa. That means an injustice has occurred. And so, and if you if you have a society, for example, where different people, there's two different sets of rules or laws for different groups, then the Bible would call that group or that law an unjust law or unjust system. So there can't be no justice system, for example, for a Russian guy, and there can't be a separate justice system for a Mexican guy, or there can be no separate justice system for the rich and a separate justice system for the poor. If you have that, the scripture would call that an injustice. That would be a violation of MISPA, that, 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 uh, Justice that deals with the rule of law and how you treat people in that sense. And so that is why you find verses in the scripture like Leviticus 19.15. If you can't go meet there in your scripture, Leviticus 19.15. And here you see an example of Mispah. And Leviticus 15 says this, you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. So you see what he's doing here. He's saying there has to be justice in how you treat people. You can't treat certain groups different. You can't treat other groups different. There has to be justice and fair treatment of each group. That's Mishpah right there. 
We can't show partiality. If we show partiality, if we show different rules to others, guess what? Then you are doing that group an injustice, meaning you are robbing them of their right to be treated fairly. That's MISPA. That's justice. So MISPA, another way of saying it is giving a person their due, if you will. You're giving a person their due. And one of those places where you see MISPA being used to show to give a person their due is with the Levitical priest in Deuteronomy 18. And Tim Keller, which, matter of fact, the reason that I came to this whole justice issue is because I read Tim Keller's book, Generous Justice. And if you were here on the New Year's Eve, I told you that was probably my, that was my favorite and most impactful book of 2018 because it opened my eyes to the gospel. And so in this, in that book, Generous Justice, Keller points out how in Deuteronomy 18, when it comes to the portion of the priest, the word mispa is used there to describe the due that was giving them that they were supposed to get. So in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 3, the text reads this. Now this shall be the priest's due or mishpa from the people. So part of the sacrifice that the people would come up and offer up to the priest, part of that sacrifice would then go... um Go to the Lord. That part would be the sacrifice. But then the, the, the leftover, if you will, would go to the priest for their daily care, for their regular care. And that was called giving the priest their due. It was their the priest's right to partake of that sacrifice. And so you were giving the priest their due by giving them part of the sacrifice. You were giving them their mishpah. And if you didn't give the priest the mishpah, his part of the, the sacrifice, then there was considered to be an injustice there in Israel. So we must give people their due. So Mishpah again has to deal with people receiving their due or their rights. And as you would probably guess it, which group were often robbed of their Mishpah? The poor, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, the different lower class groups, they were the ones who were often robbed of their nispa, their justice that was due to them. So that is why in the scriptures, when you're reading in the Old Testament, that same group keeps coming up because God doesn't like the injustice that is going their way. So he's, that's why he's scolding the children of Israel. He scolded them because they are not doing justice by caring for this group. They're allowing them to be taken advantage of. So that is mispa. Now, the other word, remember I said there's two words for justice in the Hebrew. The other one is tezaka. Now, tezaka, which means justice, in the Hebrew is often translated as righteousness because it's used to show man's right standing with God. So you often see in the Old Testament where it says righteousness is referring to man's standing with God. And so the question you should be asking then is, how do I know when to translate this righteousness as a noun referring to my right standing with God? And how do I know when to translate it as a verb in doing justice? Right. Because they're used both in that sense. Well, it's all based on the context. You look at the context and you see and it gives you an understanding how to apply Tazaka, how to understand it. So you have to check the context. Now here, here's the thing. The thing that separates, is everybody still awake? I told you this is going to be heady. I know this is dry, but you have to get this foundation before we go to the other sections, uh, in the coming weeks.
and we don't got that much farther to go, but just try to stay with me. I know it's just like, okay. But, um, one of the, 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 the thing that separates Tezaka type of justice from Mispah, that type of justice, and I've done my research. I've been looking at Christian sources. I've looked at Jewish sources. And the consensus is that Tezaka, guess what? It deals with justice in the community. It deal, it's more relational. It deals with justice in our relations with those on the outsides. So another way you can put it, it is societal justice or the popular word social justice. However you want to use it, you can call it societal justice or social justice or justice in the community. That's what Mispa deals with. It deals with promoting equity in the community. It deals with promoting fairness in the community. So it, it deals with helping out marginalized groups and, and making them whole, which the Bible often points out is the widow, the poor, the orphan, the stranger. So Mispa means caring for these groups, making sure that groups that are disadvantaged are made whole or are brought into shalom, if you will. And so that is why when you go in the Old Testament, you have the gleaning laws. Are you familiar with the gleaning laws? The gleaning laws was God's way of having Israel take care of its society. So you find in like verses like Leviticus 19. Matter of fact, we can go there. Matter of fact, I'm already here, so I'm going to just read it for you. Leviticus 19, the gleaning laws, it reads this, verse 9 through 10. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall, um, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the falling fruit of your vineyard. Look, you shall leave them for the needy, for the stranger. And then he says, I am the Lord, your God. So you see what he's doing. Here? He, he's providing for society through the individuals that have their harvest. And so th- th- these gleaning laws was was Tezaka being played out. These was that, that was Tezaka. You're, you're caring and making sure that there's equity in the communities that didn't have. You're making sure that if you have, they have. And so God and Israel put in these Tezaka laws. You see another one of these in Exodus 22 when it comes to interest-free loans to the poor. If people were poor in Exodus 22, 25, they weren't allowed to charge the poor, the poor these exorbitant interest rates. And so that's why, you, and, and I didn't mean to go into application today, but I just want to give you this one. This is why you have many Christian groups that often protest uh, predatory lending and payday loans. Because those payday loans are aimed at who? The poor, the marginalized groups charging these absorbent amount of interest rates. So that's why you have many churches in society that often protest these groups. They're actually doing what the scripture would call justice. So that is why we have that. So we see God is providing. He's making sure that there's fairness and equity in his society and his kingdom within Israel through these gleaning laws. And he's doing it through Tezaka, which is justice. And one of the greatest Jewish scholars, it was this guy named uh, Maimonides. He's considered to be one of the greatest Jewish scholar. He was born in the, uh, the Middle Ages, and he has this thing in Jewish society that's still practiced by many Jews now. It's called the eight la- the 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 um, eight levels of Tzaka. Or it's called Maimonides' ladder, and he has these eight different levels or categories and how to 
operate in Tazaka, showing social justice, justice in society. And so it's something that's still even today practiced by many uh, Jews that are Orthodox Jew. So when it comes to social, God, again, he, he cares about how the community is responding to those in different situations. And when the community doesn't respond to those, as we've seen in some of those texts, he calls it what? It's an injustice. He's saying there's no justice there. You're not caring for these groups. You're allowing them to be taken advantage of. See, what this means is that for the Hebrew, caring for others, a disadvantaged group, guess what? It wasn't optional. And what makes Tzaka different from just charity, because some people say, oh, it's just charity. You can't call it justice. Don't call, just call it charity. But what makes it different from charity is charity implies option, right? It's something I have the option to do. But with Tzaka, you did not have the option not to do it. And we even see Jesus showing Tzaka when he's telling us um, to visit the poor, to care for those in, in jail. He tells us the, the stranger. See, it's not an option. And he said that it's those who do that will enter into the kingdom. So carrying out these Tzaka laws, it's, it's not an option. When I'm actually going and helping those who are less fortunate, I'm not just doing a nice good deed. I'm actually doing justice according to the scripture. So it's justice to care for these groups. And so God has these Tezaka regulations throughout the scripture. Now here's the other thing about Tezaka and Mishpah. And then we're going to move to one more verse and we'll be getting ready to wrap it up. Tezaka and Mishpah are often categorized into two categories of justice. One is primary justice. And the other is restorative or rectifying justice. And, and I want to read a, an excerpt from Keller's book on generous justice where he really explains the two words and how they're used. And he says this, the two words roughly correspond to what some have called primary justice and rectifying justice. Rectifying justice is mishpahs. It means punishing wrongdoers and caring for the victims of unjust treatment. Primary justice, or tzaka, is behavior that, if it was prevalent in the world, would render rectifying justice unnecessary because everyone will be living in right relationship to everyone else. So tzaka, the primary justice, means Living how I ought to live, how God has said we should live. See, if you had Tazaka flowing in Israel, flowing in the community, then there will be no need for rectifying justice when there was a wrong. So example, if you, if, if nobody was breaking into people's homes, then guess what? There would be no rectifying justice laws for robbers and restitution fees that would be required. You wouldn't need it. Why? Because everybody's living in harmony with one another. Everybody's operating in the primary justice of Tzaka. So you have these two terms, Mishpah and Tzaka. Now here's one of the, the unique things about Mishpah, which really shows us God's desire for justice. What you'll find in the Hebrew scripture is that Tzaka and Mishpah, even though they both mean justice, will often be used in the same verse. And when you see that, that's something called Hebrew parallelism. 
where the authors will use the same words or the same idea, but they will change it just for emphasis so that you can see that the author is really trying to make a point about a particular subject. So we see, for example, Psalms 33.5 says this, talking about the Lord. He loves righteousness to Zaka, which means justice, and justice, Mishpat. So both of these are used in the same one verse to emphasize that God really loves justice. He loves justice in society, the social, the communal justice, and he loves justice in a rule of law and how we treat others when it comes to punishment, that God is really for justice. He uses both of them. Another place where we see both of them used to highlight the importance of justice, and I want you to go there with me, is with Abraham in Genesis 18. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 18. First book, we know where that's at, right? Verse 17. Again, today this is just foundation because you need this foundation in the coming weeks when we hit other topics. So this is Genesis 18. Remember, Sodom is going to be destroyed soon. And the Lord says this about Abraham. Look at Genesis 17. He says this, or chapter 18, verse 17. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? 18, since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. 19. For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him. Here we go. To keep the way of the Lord by doing, what does it say? Righteousness, which is Tzaka, if you're following along with me. So he's going to command his household by doing Tzaka. And what is the next word? Justice, Mishpa. So we're seeing them both used here, both justice. So God is talking about he's going to command his children to be just in the community, in society, caring about societal justice. And he's also going to command his children to care about the justice and the rule of law that is applied fairly, that there's no partiality to different groups or different people. So he's caring, showing you that he cares again about justice. It's not an issue we can just dust under. It matters. Now, before we end on our study today, I want to take you to the most famous justice verse in all of the Bible. When all of the justice types that believers that love to talk justice, this is the go-to verse that many believers go to. And it's, it's a good verse. It's Amos chapter 5, verse 24. So let's go to Amos chapter 5, 24. And we're going to back up a little bit. Amos 5, 24. Y'all hanging in there. I know this probably feel like, oh, look like you're in college. The professor just going and talking, and but you, you need the foundation. Right? Amos 5.24. So let me give you a little bit of background. You have Amos here. 
and he's prophesying against the northern and southern kingdom. Most commentators would say it's pretty, pretty much aimed at the northern kingdom because you remember Israel had split. Remember, you had a household of Judah and you have the household of, of uh, Israel. And so remember, there was a, a split. And so the prophet is now calling Israel as a whole, the group, to turn from their idol worship, the excuse me, the, the worship of false gods. And just to be clear, when we say idol worship, idol worship is not just images and statues that you worship. We said this before, but idol work. If you worship money, if money becomes the most important thing to you, then you have an idol. You're idol worshiping money. It has now become your God. And that's sin. If you are worshiping women, if you're worshiping clothes, if you're worshiping job, if you're worship, if, if you put your family first before God, if you put your wife first before God, if you put your children first before God, all of that is idolatry. Whatever you make the main thing of your life outside of God, if God is not at the top or if he's not the foundation of your life, then that is idolatry. That's idol worship. So it's not just worshiping images and statues that you built, but it's anything that you put above God and make the ultimate thing. So so Israel had an idolatry issue. But again, it was not just wrapped up in idolatry and the worship of God's false gods, but they also had an injustice issue. And so that's what we find in chapter five. Before we get to verse 24, you find verses like verses six and seven. Look at Amos five, six and seven. He says this. He says, seek the Lord that you may live or he will break forth like fire. O house of Joseph, he says, I'm I'm sorry, I read that wrong. He says, seek the Lord that he may live. Or he will break forth like a fire, O house of Joseph, and it will consume with none to quench it for Bethel. Look at seven. Here we go. He says, for those who turn justice into wormwood and cast righteousness down to the earth. Again, you see the same words, Mishpah and Tezaka. They're being used as a parallel. So when he says, for you have turned justice Mishpah into wormwood. Wormwood was this bitter root that was nasty and disgusting. So you've turned justice into something that is bad, he's saying here. You turned the rule of law. You're showing partiality to different groups. You're not treating everybody the same. If the rich comes in, they're getting off. Or the poor, you're really being hard on them. So you are treating them wrong, he says here. And then he goes and says, and you are casting down, basically, righteousness down to the ground. You're casting down Tezaka, uh, uh, justice in the community or societal justice. You're casting that down, he says. You're not caring about those who are less less fortunate. You're not defending their needs. You're, you're not thinking about them. You're, you're actually casting it down. So he's saying the same thing just in two different ways. See, that's the Hebrew parallelism because both of these things mean justice. And so he's saying, this is what you're doing. And because you're doing that, my wrath, my fire, God is saying, is going to come upon you. So we see that their justice was lacking. They were missing it. And even when you, uh, in fact, I won't do another one. But from here, he's calling out Israel on their injustice. And he tells them that, matter of fact, in verse 12, in the same chapter of Amos, chapter 5, verse 12, he again calls out their injustice. He says this. He says, for I know your transgressions and many 
Your transgressions are many and your sins are great. You who distress the righteous and accept bribes and turn aside the poor in the gate. So the gate was the place where judgment would happen. It was like the place where the court would be. And so what he's saying is that when the poor come to court for justice, when they've been in wrong in a justice, where they're not receiving their mishpah, when, when injustice has happened, the poor comes, he says, you are turning the poor away. And he says, guess what? You are accepting bribes. So that means that when, when the rich come, you're, you're not really caring. You're, you're accepting their bribes. So when, when the poor comes away, when he's saying, I've been in wrong or there's an injustice happened to me, you're saying, I'm not hearing your case. I'm not hearing you. That's an injustice. And that is what was happening in Israel. And God was not okay with that. He was not okay with them turning less fortunate groups away for other groups, because that was not Mishpa, that was not fairness, that was not equality amongst all groups. You were showing a different set of laws for a particular group over the others. And so when you keep going in the same chapter from 12, you go down to verse 15, and so he tells them this. He tells them to hate evil and love good. And he says, and establish justice in the gate or in your courts. Make your courts just. As opposed to doing what you're doing by showing partiality, go now and make your courts just, the Lord is saying. Show me, spot. Make sure that the same rule of law is applying to everybody. There's no, no over here, over there treatment. He's saying, go ahead and do that. I want you to hate evil and love good and make sure that your gates, that justice, that your gates is fair. So he's showing them that they have to be fair. Now, here's the thing about this group that God is calling out. They didn't even, they were so blind to their own injustices. They were so blind to their own injustices that in verse 18, they were actually longing for the day of the Lord because they thought they were actually righteous and living right. That's how blind they were. So look what God says in verse 18. He says, Alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord. For what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? Because for Israel, they knew that the day of the Lord was going to be where the righteous and the unrighteous would get judged and the righteous would be with God. And so he, he, he said, some of you, you're, you're waiting for the day of the Lord because you basically think you're saved. Does this sound familiar where Jesus said that many will say to me, Lord, Lord, on that day, the same thing they thought they were walking in righteousness, following the Lord. So this group, they think that they're really following God. They think that they're living right, that they're actually longing for the day of the Lord. But he says that it won't be a good day for you. He says it will be darkness and not light. He says, as a man, when he flees from a lion and he now meets a bear in front of him. He says, or goes home and leaves his hand against the wall and a snake bites him. He says, will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light, even gloom with no brightness in it? They were totally blind and they thought that they were doing right. But he said, no, that day is not going to be good for you because of your injustice. And so I love it. What he says in the next verse, in verse 21, he says, I hate or reject your festivals, nor I do not light in your solemn assembly. So he said, I don't like your church services. He's saying, I don't want your worship. He said, I'm taking no delight in your church service. You who are working in justice, this is not pleasing to me. 
And then he says, even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, he said, I'm not going to accept them. And he says, I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. 23 he says, take away from me the noise of your song. He doesn't even want to hear their worship songs. He doesn't even want to hear them singing to him. He goes and says, I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. He doesn't want to hear their instruments. He doesn't, he doesn't want their noise. He doesn't want their worship. Why? Because they are showing injustice. They're doing idol worship and they're being injustice to the needs of these marginalized, disadvantaged groups. But look what he says in verse 24. Look what he wants. He says, but let justice Mishpah, let Mishpah roll down like waters. And he says, and let Tezaka righteousness like an ever flowing stream. This is what he wants. This is what he's requiring. He wants justice in the midst of the people. He wants justice and equality in, in the midst of society. He said, that is what I want. Just looking for quality and fairness. They think they have heaven coming their way, but they have no justice in their lives. They're not thinking about the next person. They're only thinking about their selves. And so they have reckoning coming for them. So church, I'm telling you this, that you don't miss it either. She don't think it's just this liberal thing. And that's why I call this is why I added justice to the hijack section, because right now in our society, justice has been hijacked to be this liberal, left-leaning thing. The, the, the liberal people who believe all types of things in our society right now are considered to be the people of justice. And that breaks my heart. It breaks my heart right now that there's this crazy organization in society that has all these weird thoughts about God that are leading the charge for human dignity and, and uh, crime in black communities. I, I hate that it's this other group that's leading it when that's the church's thing. That's our thing. Justice is our thing. But we have other groups taking that from us and leading it. People that don't even know God. That's hijack because that's our issue. Those are our causes. If you go back to the civil rights of the 1960s, you will know that it was the black church that led that movement. The church. And that's how it's supposed to be. Because we out of anybody know human dignity more than anyone. We understand that people are made in the image of God more than anyone. So we out of anybody should be justice fanatics because God lives in us and we've seen and we will see even later that God is pleased with justice. It pleases them. We read in Psalm 33, 5, he loves justice and righteousness. So again, much of the division between the churches when it comes to this issue is largely an overreaction or fear of losing the gospel when as we will see with Jesus and the justice, the gospel is all justice. It deals largely with justice. So my brothers and sisters, we got work to do. I hope that through this series, 
that you leave with a heavier load on you. And I, I said, because I thought, oh, all I need to do is just preach the gospel and share Jesus. And that's it. I was like, yes, you're supposed to do that. But we're also called. We have to be people of justice. So we have this responsibility as followers of the Lord. Now, with that being said, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to hold your questions and comments until the end of the series when you've looked at all the texts. And so if you got something that's itching, write it down. And once we get to it further, we'll discuss it then. So keep what we talked about today. Next week, Pastor Brian will be preaching for the next two weeks on Romans. And then we'll come back. We're going to talk about Jesus and justice. And then we're going to talk about justice and life. Um, so, and then after that, we'll discuss love, because that's been hijacked. And then we'll discuss praise and worship, because that's been hijacked. So, again, my purpose in this is to make sure that you are complete in the Lord, that you are well-rounded. Shalom means whole, that you, are, that you have shalom about you in your spiritual walk with the Lord. So, let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for understanding, Lord. I thank you for your truth. Lord God, thank you for justice, Lord. Thank you for you being so holy, God. And God, I I feel like the psalmist, Lord, as I see you in your word and I see, wow, you are so a God of love and mercy that justice is something that pleases you, God. So I pray that you help us to live this out as we go throughout our day, Lord God, that we consider your word, your truth, that we hide it in our heart so we do not sin against you. God, we thank you for your goodness unto us. God, I pray that you continue to bless my brothers and sisters here as they go forward in your name. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.